to Exploring the Divine Feminine. I am your host, Ramona Sidaway, and this is episode 38. I discuss all things related to the feminine divine, mostly within the context of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I discuss things such as the feminine divine in the scriptures, mother in heaven, women in the priesthood, and anything that relates to that feminine divinity within us as women and all of the sons and daughters of our heavenly parents. Let's dive in. Women have been witnesses to the most significant events of all of the church's history throughout history. As we go through just a handful of these, could um, we could just as well ask, why did these things not happen to a man, to the prophet or president of the church? Why did it happen to women? See, I'm, I'm curious about that. I'm curious about that flip side of why some of these witnesses were women, not men, or why it was both men and women. Let's talk about Mary. She was a witness to the coming of the Redeemer of the world and a witness and influence in his life and ministry. So Mary, the mother, she received so many spiritual things happened to her, an angel coming to her and telling her that she was going to give birth. And she's the biggest archetype of the mother in heaven. I'm not the only one that feels this way. And I've had religion professors express this as well, how they feel like it's sad that um, as a church, we do not give enough attention or homage, or we don't talk enough about Mary. I mean, she was, excuse me, the freaking mother of the son of God. And we just have a cursory glance at her at Christmas time. And even when we talk about Lehi's tree of life vision, the first person, the first thing the angel talks about is about Mary. And she doesn't even, she's not even pregnant at the time, or she just hasn't been born. And we just, just completely glaze over that. And that frustrates me. And yes, yes. And you probably are recognizing that right now. But she was a, a witness. It was at when it was at his mother's instruction that Christ's first miracle was performed, that of turning water into wine. And there's a fabulous essay about this particular miracle and the possible symbolism of it that I have linked below. There, there's more to that. There's more of turning the water into the wine and how that relates to the Melchizedek priesthood. So it's pretty awesome. The next one, uh, the woman at the well, she was the first witness to hear Christ declare that he was the chosen Messiah. She in turn became a special witness and converted many. The first witness to hear Christ declare. She did. She, she believed and she went back and she converted a lot of people. In John's account, Mary took a, a different Mary not the mother, took some oil to anoint Jesus' feet. Then she dried his feet with her hair, which in effect allowed her head to be anointed by Jesus. I thought that was pretty cool. In antiquity, one anointed the head of a live person, but the feet of a corpse. So in other words, this was the anointing that one would typically receive at one's burial. And don't if, do you see what I see that anointing seems a very priesthoody type of thing to do. It was a woman anointing Christ when he was alive. And we've had discussions about this in church. Um, she was pre-anointing him for his burial. She knew what he was. She had an idea, um, spiritual impression of what he was, um, that he was going to die he was about to go through. That in and itself is a very unique thing that happened. 
Another one, women were witnesses at Christ's crucifixion. We do know that John was there as well, but this is no small thing because at the time, only men were legally allowed to be witnesses at crucifixions. But both Marys were there, his mother and what we culturally believe was Mary, his wife. Just as an aside, men could not start a ministry. They couldn't start their rabbinical ministry until they were a certain age and they had to be married. Jesus started his ministry. He was called a rabbi. He, He was a rabbi. And he legally, he would not have been allowed to do that unless he was married. Why they don't bring up a the wives, except for Peter, I think at the time it was like a duh question, right? It's like the writers were would have assumed a lot of things from probably the readers and especially the readers of that time, uh, not realizing probably how long in the future or what we would be feeling or thinking about those things today. But we believe that it was Mary was his wife. Mary Magdalene became the first witness to the Savior's resurrection. Don't you find it interesting that he did not appear to Peter, who would be the next successor in Christ's church? And why not the apostles altogether as he did later? Why a woman? Why Mary? We've already established that culturally, we believe that Mary was Jesus's wife. And and he waited for her to be alone, which I, because there were two women that came, right? They ran and got the apostles. The apostles saw that the body wasn't there and the apostles left. So Mary was left completely alone. There's plenty of apocryphal scripture that confirm that she was his wife. Kind of annoyed a couple of the apostles to be completely honest about that. And I'm going to have a podcast episode about that. And Nephite women, men, and children witnessed Jesus Christ's ministry in the Americas, his institution of the sacrament and sacred ordinances and the reality of angels. He didn't first appear to the prophet at the time either. So the first time he comes to the American continent at the temple, the bountiful temple, he appears to everyone. So not just the prophet at the time, but he talked to him. He talked to him in front of everybody. This is where I think it just, it just fascinates me. Let's talk about women and resurrection in general. And we'll go through some scriptural examples and some powerful archetypes. And I have talked a little bit about this in past podcasts, but it's just still so fascinating for me. So if, if I, I do some repetition and if I do, I hope that doesn't annoy you or bother you. But I think repetition is good. I think we get more out of it each time we discuss it and think about it and talk about it. And we find more things that confirm those spiritual impressions that we get. In Alma 18, we read of when Ammon taught King Lamoni the plan of salvation. The king was so overwhelmed by the experience that he fell to the earth as though he were dead. And that's in verses 39 through 42. While he was unconscious, he had a vision of the Lord. And when he told his wife about this experience, she also fell to the earth as if she were dead, as did Ammon. And most of the servants in the court fell to the earth as well. That's in verse 16. Enter Abish. She was the only one who didn't fall to the earth and who had already been converted to the Lord. Abish gathered everyone together and showed them what had happened. Then she took the queen by the hand and raised her up. This is so fascinating. The queen then took her husband, Lamoni, by the hand and raised him up as well. These are verses 
28 through 30. This is a very powerful and very significant scene that requires careful consideration from several angles and one level of possible symbolism. I will put in the show notes to where I get this information and link to this information. In ancient contexts, this scene might have gathered power from mythological backgrounds pertaining to the resurrection of divine and royal beings. Now, Alma 18 through 19 mentions on eight separate occasions that the royal family appeared to be dead. Eight occasions. King Lamoni's servants even wanted to bury him. Thus, when Abish raises them up from the ground, she would have been seen by people familiar with such backgrounds as playing a role in raising them from their perceived state of death. Now, we're talking about Mesoamerica and the myths and the stories that they would be familiar with at that time. So the fact that it is a woman who raised them from the ground would have been suggestive to them that goddesses were sometimes associated with reviving their husbands in ancient mythology. We're bringing in the Mesoamerica mythology at the time, and we know that God works with the culture. And he weaves things in to help us understand when they see a woman doing this, Christ knows and and Heavenly Father knows what they have been practicing at the time, whether it was right or wrong. They know the myths that they would, the stories they'd be familiar with. Christ used stories and parables because that was the best way of reaching his audience. And he used objects and and images and people in his stories that he knew that his audience would be familiar with. And I think that's what's happening here with Abish. So the people that have been watching this and witnessing witnessing this scene, it's just going to click with them about these myths that they're familiar with. And there's a lot of them, of goddesses, you know, many cultures of goddesses raising husbands of raising others from the dead. It seems reasonable to assume that the fainting and reviving of Lamone and his wife might be understood as signaling something about death and resurrection. I am not indicating that those are priesthood keys that she is that I I do not know how that works. And I'm not saying that it is mother in heaven or I'm not indicating anything concrete only that it's an archetype, that's a similitude, that it's interesting that they are witnessing a woman raising someone who they thought was dead. That's in the scriptures. The association of Abish with the resurrection, quote unquote, of the king's court can be seen as a subtle foreshadowing of the resurrection of Christ. The ancient traditions of goddesses being associated with the resurrection of their husbands could well have signaled to the believers in the crowd that they too have just witnessed a divine miracle. A lot of this was written by Kevin and Shauna Christensen in an essay. I will link that in the show notes. And also some of this I have gotten from the Book of Mormon Central. As we previously discussed, Mary was the first witness in Christ's resurrection. We're going back to that, right? Women in the resurrection. It was as if he was waiting for her to be alone before he showed his resurrected body. And if, if indeed she was his wife, this brings up even more insights into marriage and the keys of resurrection. We are just looking at allegories and archetypes, and we're not speculating. You know, if we talk about Christ, it's like, why 
Why did he feel like he needed to be there? And it's very interesting that it's recorded in there, in the scriptures of Mary, of him appearing to Mary. Why he would do that? I don't think it's just a mere, see you later, I'm going to miss you kind of thing. I, I think there is something tied to them being married. That's my opinion. Let's go back to Eve as the mother of all living. Now, do women have something to do with resurrection concerning their husbands? Men bring about eternal life through priesthood ordinances in the here and now, but there are some keys and ordinances that A, can only be performed or ordained through a married man, or B, must be done in tandem with his wife. And I tend to favor the second option. In the next podcast, in the next episode, I'm going to take and bring this all into about unity and Zion about how men and women work together through this. I want you to think about though what we've talked about. And I would love to hear your thoughts about women, their husbands, about resurrection, how it ties in the resurrection. What are your thoughts? Why do you think that Jesus came to Mary, appeared to her and to not to Peter first or to the apostles first, he goes to them later. He, he continues on with church stuff, right? But he goes to a woman and he goes to someone that was 99% his wife, right? I really think it was his wife. I would love to hear your thoughts. So send me an email or come go to the Facebook group, the Exploring the, the Divine Feminine, and just give me your thoughts on the, about this episode of why you think Jesus went to appear to Mary first. Thank you so much for joining me today and exploring the divine feminine. I am always grateful that you take out the time to listen to me and to hear my thoughts on these things. Please join me on Facebook and on Instagram. You can find me on my website, but please, um, reach out to me. I would love to hear your thoughts or your questions about any of the episodes. They mean a lot to me and they get me thinking about things. And and I tend to want to find answers. If I don't know the answer, I will do everything I can to find legitimate answers that are that fall within the confines of the Church of Jesus Christ. I mean, that that meet with that litmus test. Thank you again for joining me and have a divine day.